last one standing wins. <laughs> Professional Podcast. Drinking from human skulls. A professional podcast. Hello and greetings. Welcome once again to another episode of Drinking from Human Skulls, a very professional podcast. And today it's another Corona cast, and I'm sorry, folks. There's just so much on this topic, and it really rings true in my heart because it's all going wrong, in my opinion. So we've got to talk about it. We've got to document it. We've got a lot of clips here today, and I want to start hot out of the gates with some people who are just not going to take it anymore. Take a drink of this. Why are you guys coming to disturb a business? Why why do you guys come to disturb a business? Why do you guys come to disturb people's lives? Oh, well, those are some very angry patrons in a Vancouver restaurant, my hometown. I'm proud of them reacting to a health inspector coming in and saying, Hey, there is no indoor dining on this day on Easter long weekend. To keep it into perspective... The day before, you were allowed indoor dining, and the day after, no more indoor dining. For what reason? We only can speculate. But the powers that be, namely in our area, Dr. Bonnie Henry says no way. But on the very same weekend, she was found taking her helicopter to visit family, uh, breaking her own rules. Well, that's nothing new. In fact, I've got a whole bunch of clips. I think we're going to have to do a dedicated episode to talk about the powers who have said no rules for thee, but not for me. And I'm frankly getting sick of it. You know, in Canada, the lockdown situation is terrible. They say the cases are rising. In fact, the cases have surpassed the cases per million in America Well, maybe because in Canada they're testing everyone under the sun and they've drummed up this mass hysteria to the point where people are voluntarily going to get tested. People in my own family going to the hospital to get tested when they have the minor chest pain. Oh my gosh. If I went to the hospital every time I had a minor chest pain, I'd be there every single day. You know, I had the thought that this isn't really a pandemic. This is a hysteria epidemic. This is a hypochondria epidemic, especially up here in Canada. I mean, what do you expect if everyone is so scared that they want to get a test and they have drive through tests and they have tests at every pharmacy you can go to? Well, of course, the case numbers are going to go up. What do you think is going to happen when they're testing everyone under the sun and drumming up, again, this mass hysteria, this fear that COVID is a death sentence, which it isn't even by the fake numbers. It's not. And now we have these lockdowns in Canada persisting again. 
it's getting even worse than I could ever imagine. Everyone's talking about how, oh, it's not so bad in Canada. You're wrong. It's the worst. It is the worst country in the world, I believe. Everyone's wearing masks. People are double masking outside like bloody lunatics. Everyone has lost their goddamn marbles and we need to dial into some level of sanity or all hope is lost. I've got a young son. I need to fight back against this. There is so much wrong with this directionally. This is a big problem for our society that we can't navigate these waters and that the powers that be are so utterly useless. I've thought deeply on this issue. That's why I'm unflappable. And you know, for any of you out there who are listening, you know, when you know something very well, when you have researched it to the nth degree, you become unflappable. And these experts are not unflappable. Ever. Watch them. Listen to them. They're highly editorialized by the news media. Watch the full clips. At any rate, violent protests are taking place all over Canada. The media is calling it lockdown fatigue. That's putting it mildly. We got people in Alberta and Montreal calling it a threat to their survival and their freedom. When will these lockdowns end? People in Alberta, they're not protesters. I mean, they are, they are as calm and as docile as can be. And they're protesting? They're coming out, they're videotaping the police and calling them all sorts of crazy things? Listen to this guy, a pastor in Alberta, really letting the police have it when they came to check on him during Passover at his church. Take a drink of this. Out of this property, immediately until you come back with a warrant. Out, 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 out of this property, immediately out. Immediately go out and don't come back. Don't, I don't wanna talk to you. Not a word. Out of this pro out of this property immediately out. I don't care what you have to say. Out! Out! Out of this property, you Nazis! Out! Out! Gestapo is not allowed here. Immediately Gestapo is not allowed! Out! Do you understand English? Get out of this property. Go. So go. Go. And don't come back without a warrant. Out, Nazi. Out. Out. You understand? Nazis are not welcome here. Out. And don't come back without a warrant. Do not come back without a warrant. You understand that? You're not welcome here. Nazis are not welcome here. Gestapo is not welcome here. Do not come back, you Nazi psychopaths. Uh. Mm. Hey, does this guy sound like he's doing okay to you? Sounds like he's pretty angry about these repeated lockdowns. Huh. It doesn't seem like everyone's on board with this as they would make you believe if you were to watch the mainstream news. Huh. This guy is clearly an angry individual at this point, and I don't blame him. I think he's really vocalizing my inner voice. Every time I'm forced to put a mask on, every time I'm forced to comply with some rules that don't make any sense, 
I mean, this guy stood up for what he believed. He shouted out like a, a half a dozen police officers, you know, all trying to stand there, burly chested, intimidation. And he shouted them out and they left because they have no jurisdiction because we do have rights. It's not that we don't have them. We do have them. And they are slowly but surely trying to take them away. It may not seem like they are, but they are. Whether it's ignorance, whether it's just plain ineptitude at the highest levels of government, they're trying to take away your liberties. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to look at stats and see that this virus is not a danger to most people. Lock down the elderly. Lock down the people who are at risk and give them support. By all means, of course. But do not ruin everybody's life. Do not force children and everybody to wear masks. It's becoming ridiculous. And by the way, you can't go to church, you can't go to these small businesses because they're not allowed to open, but you can continue to worship at the altar of Whole Foods and Amazon and all of these big corporations who are just taking the money from the lower echelons of population all the way up into their giant coffers. Small businesses aren't allowed to open, so you're forced to go to Amazon, which is always open. It's 24-7. Order whenever you'd like. Arrive in two days, Amazon Prime. Go to Walmart whenever you want. They're always open. Oh gosh, they're essential workers, but this small mom and pop store in the corner? Doomed. Close it down. You have no options. You're not allowed to open. If you do open, we'll send the health officials over to you to shut you down, slap you with fines. Does Walmart get a fine? Does McDonald's get a fine? It doesn't make any sense. And in case you missed it, it's not just Canada. It's not just America. But it's all across Europe. And take a drink of this report, basically spelling out that it's everywhere in Europe. They're not satisfied. And even after this report, there have been several more lockdown protests. Take a drink. One year into the COVID-19 pandemic and tempers across Europe seem to be fraying. Anger at lockdown measures and other restrictions has spilled out onto the streets. On Saturday alone, there were protests in Croatia, Sweden, Finland, Belgium, Poland, Austria and more. In the small Swiss town of Listal, almost half of the population turned out to denounce the partial lockdown that has been in place since mid-January. We won't live in a democratic uh, land. We want uh, our children be free and safe, not with the vaccine, definitely not with the vaccine. And uh, we are um, not here for experimental uh, issues. Faced with rising infection rates, Germany has hinted it may reverse recent relaxations in restrictions. That didn't go over well with the over 20,000 protesters marching through the streets of the town of Kassel, where clashes broke out with police and multiple arrests were made. But the largest protests were seen in London. Despite the UK having the best vaccination rate in Europe and a roadmap out of the pandemic, 
Thousands vented their anger at Boris Johnson's lockdown, which has been in place since just after Christmas, resulting in clashes with police. Under current lockdown regulations, mass gatherings across Britain are not allowed. That includes protests, which are not listed as justifiable reasons for leaving home. But rights activists have demanded the government make an exception to the rule and allow what they call the human right to protest peacefully. Well, folks, this is what happens to these European people when you take away their only source of sanity. And of course, I'm talking about beer drinking festivals. They're tightly wound right now because they're not able to drink their Belgian lagers. And let's face it, I agree. I'm tightly wound as well. There's no thought about, oh, well, these people are angry. These people are upset. There's no thought about a solution. There's no talk about a solution. So what is the solution? Is the solution just keep everyone locked down? Look, they've opened up Florida. They've opened up other countries. They've opened up Texas, as I've heard. And they're doing fine. They completely opened up Florida, for example, and their case numbers have not skyrocketed. In fact, they've gone down. So you're going to have to explain that one. A state, a red state that opened fully, doesn't have a habit of wearing masks. People are not wearing masks routinely in Florida compared to Vancouver, where I'm from, British Columbia. And the case numbers are going down. Well, how could that be? What are the variables that we're missing in other parts of the world? We're very lefty-lefty over here in Canada. And you look at all the blue states in America. It's the same sort of thing. Getting very mysterious stats, different stats than red-leading places. I mean, there are red states in America that have virtually no COVID whatsoever. Now, granted... Not a lot of people are traveling to these states, it could be argued, but are there other variables at play that we're not considering? Are there, in fact, maybe just different mindsets, different attitudes towards testing, hysteria, public health that are affecting how these things play out? Huh. So there's really dozens of other clips that you can find on your own as well. And I've got these all listed at drinkingfromhumanskulls.com and all sorts of different reactions and thoughts about the lockdowns and how they're unconstitutional and unjust and basically break our rights as human beings. In most countries, we have those rights. And I thought it's necessary to document because if you watch the news, you just get this line where it's like, oh, yes, we've got to lock down because if you don't lock down, you're going to kill grandpa and grandma and etc. It's nonsense. It's pure nonsense. Look at the reality. People are getting mad. And why? Because the stats show that there is no danger from this virus. That doesn't mean we shouldn't try to stop it or curb it in some way. That doesn't mean we shouldn't try to treat it. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to figure out the origins of it. And the thing is that you've probably even prior to 2020 been exposed to a different form of coronavirus. And the reality is that these things overlap. The immunity overlaps. So if you've had a type of coronavirus before, your likelihood of protection against a future type is higher. And so it's a totally different circumstance with the flu pandemic of 1918. 
And yet here we are today, the CDC reporting in 2020 that there were just 1,016 cases of the flu in that year, compared to a normal average of 65,000 cases of influenza every year in the United States. Seems strange, don't it? And, you know, the thing that they're not really even revealing with these numbers is that the way that they've traditionally tested for the flu is people who have the symptoms. So you would go to the hospital, you go to the doctor, hey, doc, I've got the sniffles. They would put you into a database, maybe or maybe not. So it's 65,000 cases documented of people who have clear symptoms. That's not what we're doing here with COVID. With COVID, they've drummed up this hysteria and they're testing everyone under the sun. Anyone who has even the mildest symptom who's believing in this fear-based nonsense is going to get tested and they're being added. Do you understand? And also there's a COVID kickback. There's no flu kickback. So... Mm, I don't know. They got these dialed up COVID tests. COVID's everywhere, quote unquote. Um, maybe we'll just start calling the flu COVID and we'll get that kickback, that sweet government kickback, which they're doing in many countries. If you know anything about how the flu comes to be as a virus and how it mutates and how it changes every year, then you know that this has to be complete nonsense. The simple explanation for how the flu comes to be and how it mutates and how it becomes... Uh, prevalent in various forms is that every year we produce billions of chickens, billions of cows, billions of pigs, etc. to be eaten. And as a byproduct of that, we get the flu. It's caused by human-animal interaction, interaction with other animals. And this is how the flu has evolved and mutated over the years. And so to think that that would disappear because there has been no disappearance of our animal production. That industry is going strong. There's been no decreased demand on a massive scale for meat products. Absolutely not. And so to say that the flu has completely and virtually disappeared because of the coronavirus makes no sense. The only argument I could believe would be that if these viruses were somehow competitive with each other to the point that they destroyed each other. I don't know if that's possible. I don't know if that these viruses have the mechanism to destroy each other. I know that they can take over a host cell in a host body, but can they destroy each other? That's something that I don't know, but that's the only explanation. Because from what I can gather is the flu virus is a smaller particle, meaning that masks wouldn't do anything, meaning that it should be more transmissible than coronavirus, especially with all the preventative measures we've taken. So why is it that the flu has disappeared? I think that I smell a rat. I don't think that we should trust the powers that be. I don't think that they know what they're talking about, and I don't think anybody knows what they're doing. I really actually wish I was a virologist, but then again, I don't think I would get very far because it seems like the ones who get very far are the ones who spill doom and gloom and make outrageous claims about all the things that could happen. Oh my God. They're the ones who get on TV. They're the ones who get their messages put out there. And could it be that they're the ones that the pharmaceutical companies champion because they're the ones that allow them to sell the most vaccines? Think about it. And I've dug up a clip here of uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci doing a presentation 
I don't know if this is a slip up or a mess up, but he seems to contradict himself in a very fundamental way while trying to push the importance of vaccines. So let's take a drink of this clip and then I'll react to it to put things together for you. And finally, in a paper that came out just yesterday, it was shown very clearly that in individuals who recover from infection, if you look at their CD4 and CD8 positive T cells, they recognize virtually all of the variants of concern. So on the final slide, next slide, Getting back to what I said in the beginning, we are seeing now immune protection against COVID-19 variants when individuals are vaccinated against the wild-type strain on two mechanisms, the antibody response that has a spillover effect, as well as the cross-reactivity. The bottom line message to everyone is why it's so important to get vaccinated, because vaccination is not only going to protect us against the wild type, but it has the potential to a greater or lesser degree to also protect against a range of variants. So when vaccination becomes available, get vaccinated. So folks, I'm not sure if you're picking up on this, but he said that individuals who recovered from an infection were having increased immunity against all types of COVID variants. So that's something that we've known, we've seen in the flu, we've seen it in many other of these, you know, rhinoviruses, etc. that if you get one of them, you're also going to have some level of immune protection against the variants. And what he's saying here is that that study is proof that you need a vaccine. Does it make any sense at all? This guy doesn't even know what he's talking about. He's got so many jumbled facts that he doesn't even know what he's saying. I thought by now that everyone knew that the COVID vaccine, quote unquote, works by targeting spike proteins because they can't activate the virus like they do with a traditional vaccine. And so what that means is an infected person is not the same as a vaccinated person, especially when it comes to the COVID, quote unquote, vaccine. But of course, we're listening to Dr. Fauci, who's really a politician and also a very old man. So it begs the question with all this jumbled information and all of this nonsense from him, why are we even listening? What is it that makes us listen to this idiotic old man? Hey guys, it's me, Doni. Head to drinkyfromhumanskulls.com to join my mailing list. I'll send you my newest episodes and my hottest selfies. See you there. Speaking of vaccines, I'm not sure if I mentioned this in a previous episode, but it bears repeating. They've recently said that the COVID vaccine, by Pfizer at least, has been tested on children, and they've found it to be 100% effective. They tested it on children aged 12 to 15, and again, they said that it is 100% effective. Compared to the placebo group, 18 kids got COVID, and in the vaccinated group, none of them got COVID. Now, of course, this is uh, during a time where every kid across North America is being locked down. They can't go to school, and they have virtually no exposure to the virus. So what is going on here? Well, we've got a little vaccine company shill here to tell you all about it let's listen to him carefully shall we take a drink 
<laughs> Dr. Peter Hotez now, co-director of the Center for Vaccine Development at Texas Children's Hospital. Doctor, great to see you again. We've, we've reviewed the Pfizer report here and the numbers really look fantastic. W what of this, kids being vaccinated before next school year, is that realistic? Yeah, I think it is. Um, I mean, the study is not that big. It's about 1,200 uh, uh, adolescents, uh, 12 to 15 in the vaccination group and a similar number in the placebo group. And what it showed is there were 18 cases of COVID in the placebo group and zero in the vaccinated group. That's how you got to the 100%. I would guess as you get to much larger studies, it'll probably come down a little bit similar. It'll probably be similar to the very, ex to very high level of protection that we see in, in adults. So the question is, where do we go from here? I think there's a few reasons to vaccinate adolescents. We are seeing adolescents go into pediatric intensive care units. They are getting sick, especially those with underlying risk factors. And as you point out, uh, if we're going to uh, actually interrupt virus transmission, we have to get to 80, 85% of the population vaccinated now that we have the B117 variant, which is so highly transmissible. And I think we could do that by including adolescents. And, and now we're going to see a pretty safe fall school year for middle schools, junior high schools, and high schools because the students will be vaccinated, the teachers and staff. So that's, there's a lot to look forward to because of this news. Dr. Hotez, I talked to a Jersey soccer mom who works here at CNBC just yesterday, and she said, you know, I've got a 16-year-old, a 12-year-old, I mean, 13-year-old. I don't know. I, I think that they probably need to wait. To that soccer mom and millions across the country, what do you say? Yeah, there's going to be a have to be a lot of public communication and a lot of advocacy that needs to be done because parents are going to be a bit skittish about, or at least some parents, about a brand new uh, mRNA technology for, uh, for their kids. So that's something that a number of us have anticipated. So there's going to have to be a, a lot of discussion. So it may take some time. You may not see that full level of compliance, uh, at least for the first few months. And But I think it will grow organically as we see kids get vaccinated with un, no untoward effect. Doctor, over the past year, we've looked to Europe to see what's coming next. Well, I look at France now and there's another lockdown. You look at Brazil, hospitalizations are so bad. It's, it's possible that their entire health care system is going to be crushed. Do we face the possibility of this? Or are we doing enough and acting correctly enough to where we won't have to face this? The big difference is we are moving at a much faster pace of vaccinating. It's still not where I'd like it to be. We've got now about a third of, uh, we're getting towards a third of the uh, U.S. population with a single dose of uh, vaccines. The, the good news is that by the summer, I think we could get to uh, a very high percentage, certainly more than half, maybe 75 percent of adults vaccinated. And that's going to really slow down transmission. The problem is we're in a race with this B117 variant, which is so aggressive. Uh, it's more transmissible, higher mortality rates, higher hospitalization rates. And we're also seeing, hearing anecdotally, we don't have the hard evidence yet, but it's looking that way that up in you know Wisconsin, Minnesota, we're starting to see young adults get very sick as well because mm. of the B117 variant. Tell you what, being fully vaccinated feels mighty good. If you can get it, get it. Dr. Hotez, thank you. <clears throat> Okay, well, just comment specifically on his anecdotal evidence that in Minnesota and et cetera, they're seeing um, younger people who are getting sick from COVID and the B11 variant. What do you mean you don't have evidence? Anecdotal? You mean you heard it from another person? You heard it being said by another doctor? All these cases are being recorded.
to the immense profit of the hospitals who are recording them and reporting them. What do you mean anecdotally? This is the kind of soft-peddling bullshit that they get away with. This is clearly a paid segment. I really have to wonder if people understand the nature of how this business works and how they influence doctors and how they get doctors on the payroll at these pharmaceutical companies. The doctors, the scientists are on the payroll. They are conducting science for pharmaceutical company gains. All of these studies are being designed and rigged in the pharmaceutical company's favor. That's how it works. That's how it's always worked. I have worked in every major pharmaceutical company for five-year period while I was in Taiwan. I worked there, and I worked at Pfizer, GSK, MSD, Merck, like basically every single pharmaceutical company. And I worked with marketing managers and product managers, and they managed the product from prior to FDA approval to end of life cycle. That was what they did. And so to get FDA approval in Taiwan, they couldn't just submit the already approved FDA um, studies from America, for example. They had to do their own studies. And so they had all these doctors handpicked, hand-selected, hospitals handpicked and selected, and they pumped out these studies real quick. And what do you know? They always had favorable results. A company is not going to invest money in a treatment unless they can market it. And how do they hedge their bets on that? They get these doctors who are carefully building their reputation and they pay for vacations. They pay for speaking tours. They kind of, they just draw them in. They roll them into their payroll and they become pharmaceutical company shills. And why wouldn't they? You know, they want to make more money. That's how this world works. It all works on making more money. Why wouldn't they accept that money? And guys, it's not just me, some crazy Canadian idiot who used to work at pharmaceutical companies doing corporate training projects. No, it's not just me. This has been documented within the last 10 years. Let's take a drink of this in case you've forgotten. Your doctor prescribes an antidepressant for your teenager and you say yes because you trust him. But what if you knew that your doctor was prescribing the drug because a pharmaceutical company was singing that drug's praises? Good evening and welcome to season 24 on the American Law Journal. And tonight we'll look at, is your pharmaceutical company paying your doctor? Four guests will join me, but first, GlaxoSmithKline was hit with a $3 billion settlement with the U.S. government earlier this year. And it wasn't just because of its unsavory marketing practices, it unearthed an unhealthy alliance with doctors, and in one case, a very famous one. Gina Passarella takes this look. Today I'm pleased to announce that the Justice Department and our law enforcement partners have reached an historic $3 billion resolution with the pharmaceutical manufacturer GlaxoSmithKline. Months ago, GlaxoSmithKline agreed to the largest pharmaceutical fraud settlement in U.S. history. Who wants to be a millionaire? What? Much of it because of illegal marketing, senior executives promising sales representatives big bonuses for pushing new products off-label. But prosecutors said the sales reps had help. For years, doctors had been paid kickbacks to overprescribe Glaxo drugs, including antidepressants, Welbutrin, and Paxil. U.S. Attorney Corman Ortiz said bribes to physicians took on many forms. 
from Hawaiian vacations to paying doctors millions of doctor, uh, dollars to go on speaking tours to a European pheasant hunt uh, to tickets for Madonna concerts. Doctor complicity in the scandal may have gotten lost in the big numbers, except court records mentioned at least one very recognizable doctor by name. The problem now is, and this is what's getting me crazy, is that we have a problem with prescription drugs that is massive. In its complaint, the U.S. government said Glaxo made two payments to Dr. Drew Pinsky for a total of $275,000 to promote Wellbutrin. Dr. Drew spoke eloquently about Wellbutrin, praising it for non-FDA-approved uses, but never revealing he was being paid by the drug company. This kind of conduct is what's behind new laws in 2013 to curtail the close financial relationship between docs and the pharmaceutical companies. Not to mention U.S. prosecutors continuing to investigate questionable and illegal practices of drug manufacturers. You do the math. There are people in this room who are going to make an ungodly sum of money. For the American Law Journal, I'm Gina Passarella. So look, this is uncontroversial. But one way to make people turn a blind eye to this reality is to drum up a fear-based, hysteria-based scamdemic. If everyone thinks that they're going to die from something, then they can fully manipulate you to do whatever they want. Buy their vaccine, buy their treatments. Well, Pfizer came out and said that an ongoing study has found that its COVID vaccine protects you for up to six months. But then... A couple weeks later, Pfizer's CEO set the record straight, saying you'll probably need a third dose before the end of the year. Um, I guess that one's on the house. But that's just what you can expect. There's going to be a three-dose minimum of the Pfizer vaccine every year. Hello? Are you getting it? They want to do it to your kids. They want to do it to every age group. They want to do it to everybody, and now they're saying they're going to have to do it every year, three times a year, and probably they're going to have to do it for every single variant as well. Um, does it make any sense? Pfizer is getting billions of dollars as a result of this crazy talk. So folks, here's something I found recently. Um, it's called a COVID challenge trial and they're running these in the UK now and there's actually a lot of challenge trial companies but I can't find a lot of information about them basically what it is is they give people the COVID vaccine one of the forms of the COVID vaccine and then they actually give them the virus the COVID virus and they study them for a period of months. This has been a study going on for several months, and I eagerly await the results because it seems to me that this is the only way to guarantee that these things work. Right now, we know they produce a very limited number of antibodies focused around spike proteins, but it's never that simple with an immune system. It's not just that you need these antibodies to fight off an illness. It's, it's a larger palette of things that need to work together for your immune response to actually kick in and be effective. So... I'll be interested to see what these COVID challenge trials yield. And they're not being very widely publicized. I wonder why. But there's a couple of websites out there that you can actually sign up for these COVID challenge trials. And they'll pay you in the UK, they'll pay something around four to 5,000 uh, pounds to take part in this months-long trial. They sell it by showing pictures of you know young people in hospital beds and basically playing video games. And that's what they trying to lure you with but 
it seems like this is the only thing where it's like, okay, well, the only way we know if these vaccines really work is if we guarantee exposure. I just want to point out they didn't do that with their initial trials and they didn't do that with their ongoing stage three trial that's going on right now. There is no guarantee of exposure. And so basically they're just blowing smoke up your ass with all of these um, these COVID vaccine trials they're doing right now. It's just all complete nonsense because unless you guarantee a level of exposure, you can't make any claims about efficacy whatsoever. Everyone's locked down to various degrees. And certainly we can expect that volunteers for these pharmaceutical run trials are people who are absolutely complying with all of the safety protocols, locking themselves down and sheltering in place. And well, folks... If you're undecided about getting the vaccine, should I get it or should I not? Even if you have access to it, that's a whole nother question. But there's a message from Joe Biden, an Easter message from Joe Biden. Good old Joe, simple Joe, telling the whole world that it's your moral obligation to get the vaccine. And by the way, the Pope agrees as well. Take a drink. I want to send you our warmest Easter greetings to you and your family. As we celebrate this most holy day, we know many are still going without familiar comforts of the season. The virus is not gone, and so many of us still feel the longing and loneliness of distance. For a second year, most will be apart from their families, their friends, the full congregations that fill us with joy. And yet, as the Gospel of John reminds us, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The traditions of Holy Week take us on a journey from sorrow to salvation, reminding us that with faith, hope, and love, anything is possible. And today, as spring returns, we see hope all around us. Families are getting the financial help they need to take a breath once again. Okay, so the First Lady's full of shit. Uh, we're talking about people getting $1,500 checks. Taking a breath? You've been locked down for a year and you get $1,500? What's that going to do for the average family in America? Give me a break. Businesses are recovering and more and more Americans are getting life-saving vaccines. We share the sentiments of Pope Francis, who has said that getting vaccinated is a moral obligation, one that can save your life and the lives of others. By getting vaccinated and encouraging your congregations and your communities to get vaccinated, we not only can beat this virus, we can also hasten the day when we can celebrate the holidays together again. This Easter, from our family to yours, we wish you health, hope, joy, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Happy Easter, everyone. May the Lord bless you and keep you. <laughs> So the influence campaign ramps up. President Joe Biden saying it's your moral obligation. The Pope agreeing it's your moral obligation to get the vaccine. And of course, it's not just politicians. It's the slippery folks in the media. Now we have renowned COVID faker Chris Cuomo and Dr. Leanna Wen, who served as a health commissioner under two different mayors in Baltimore City and then went on to become the shortest running leader of Planned Parenthood in its history. She was ousted after eight months. Many of the staff members saw her as a unorganized and inefficient leader, but that sounds like perfect fodder for a CNN medical analyst. Let's take a drink. 
clear to them that the vaccine is the ticket back to pre-pandemic life. And the window to do that is really narrowing. I mean, you were mentioning, Chris, about how all these states are reopening. They're reopening at 100%. And we have a very narrow window to tie reopening policy to vaccination status. Because otherwise, if everything is reopened, then what's the carrot going to be? How are we going to incentivize people to actually get the vaccine? So that's why I think the CDC and the Biden administration needs to come out a lot bolder and say, if you're vaccinated, you can do all these things. Here are all these freedoms that you have. Because otherwise, people are going to go out and enjoy these freedoms anyway. <sighs> a little more detail on this person, born and raised in China. So she's already been brainwashed. Unfortunately, a lot of people who are born and raised in China are not even aware of their cultural blind spots, which are a result of a lifetime of propaganda. I mean, this cannot be disputed. And it doesn't happen to everybody. But certainly there are many who come over here and they don't know quite what they're not seeing. When you listen to this clip, obviously it's egregious to me and it's egregious to a lot of people. But to her, she's saying it as if it's totally normal. What's the carrot going to be? How are we going to vaccinate people if we give all their freedoms back? What's going to happen? I mean, it's complete nonsense to suggest that people's freedoms should be withheld they should be locked down until they get a vaccine. And it doesn't take a genius to see why she might have this point of view. And by the way, I'm so sick of these self-promoting quasi-professionals who are just trying to be personalities and use their personalities to get on television channels. It's nonsense. You suck, Dr. Leanna Wen. I hope you never get on television again because you are a danger to the world. Hey guys, it's me, Doni, the host of Drinking from Human Skulls. The world is coming to an end, you don't have a job, and you're bleeding your parents dry. Pretty soon, everyone you know and love is going to die in nuclear war. That's why this is the perfect time to donate to Drinking from Human Skulls, a professional podcast. Just visit drinkingfromhumanskulls.com and click the donate button to get started. And if you can't afford to donate, Click on anything that looks like an ad. Doing so will help me and your corporate overlords. Why let your money disintegrate in a mushroom cloud when you could support the Drinking From Human Skulls podcast? Now, let's get back to the show. But hey, it's not like uh, Dr. Leanna Wen is the only danger to the world who's on CNN. We've got a human potato head giving his thoughts and opinions on why people should be photographing themselves getting the vaccine. Take a drink of this complete turd, Brian Stelter. It's really important to see all these TV anchors, personalities showing themselves getting the shot. We've seen a lot of vaccine selfies from lots of folks at lots of different networks. Uh, it's been really inspiring to see. You know, the Today Show even brought the, 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 the co-host outside for a live group vaccination this week. And Rachel Maddow on Friday on MSNBC talked about how she was really fearful of the needle, really worried about it. And yet it was important to get the shot and she did. And there she is talking about it on air. So I say all of that to make the following point. Where are Tucker and Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram? Where is Ainsley Earhart and Steve Ducey and Brian Kilmeade? Where are the biggest stars on Fox getting vaccinated? I get it's a personal choice. I get that's between, you know, the hosts and their healthcare provider. But everybody else is doing it, right, Matt? I mean, all across television, all these anchors are, are rolling up their sleeves. Why do you think we haven't seen the biggest stars on Fox News 
get vaccinated or show us their vaccine selfies. I mean, the whole thing is just insane. Why aren't Fox News anchors showing us their vaccine selfies? So is it to suggest that they're not getting the vaccines? Is it to suggest that they're just not doing their part in sharing the selfies to perhaps motivate other people, their followers perhaps, to get the vaccine? What sort of nonsense is this virtue signaling propagandistic this is a clearly a paid native ad i can't believe that this stuff makes it to air this is a highly produced segment by a living human potato head it should be heralded as a scientific miracle that they've got a potato to actually speak but this is the kind of trash that they're putting out on cnn i used to think that CNN was the channel for smart people. I used to think that Democrats were the smart party in America. I used to think that if you weren't on the left, you were a complete fucking idiot. And now I know that is not the case. Or perhaps things have changed rapidly over the last several years. I think it's a bit from column A and a bit from column B. But certainly we can see that the left and CNN and these channels are losing it rapidly. And of course, institutions that you never would have thought would be losing it are also losing it rapidly. Talking about the CDC. And the new CDC director is as dumb and as shameless as can possibly be. And she's leading the Center for Disease Control. I don't think we're going to be okay because this person is clearly a social media grandstander, virtue signaling, dummy dum dum. So let's take a drink of her reading her revised COVID recommendations, quote unquote, which actually sound a bit more like freedoms you'll be granted should you get the vaccine. Take a drink. As more people get vaccinated, we at CDC have the responsibility to provide you with science-based recommendations on the activities that can safely resume. Stop right there. I think you doth protest too much. Why is the Center for Disease Control director making sure that you know that these are science-based recommendations? Could it be that she quacks like a duck and is a quack and a duck, as the expression famously goes? Let's continue listening and find out. In early March, CDC issued its initial guidance on what activities are safer for fully vaccinated people. And remember, fully vaccinated is defined as two weeks after receiving the single dose vaccine or after two weeks after receiving the second dose of the two dose vaccines. When we released the guidance in early March, I emphasize that the science and evidence were rapidly evolving and that we would update our guidance as new evidence emerged. We now have several newly released studies documenting the real world effectiveness of COVID-19 vaccines. So today we are releasing an update to our guidance for fully vaccinated people. Specifically, the good new guidance today speaks to travel. We state that fully vaccinated people can resume travel to low, at low risk to themselves. I just got to interject here. Is this sounding like a recommendation to you so far? She said that there's new studies that have emerged about the effectiveness of these vaccines that are suggesting that it's okay for you to travel now. Well, I don't understand. 
these vaccines were already approved months ago for emergency use. So what's the new information that's allowing you to believe that, hey, it's okay if you're vaccinated, now you can travel? Sounds like a bunch of hogwash and nonsense to this guy. Let's continue listening. For domestic travel, fully vaccinated people do not need to get a COVID-19 test before or after travel and do not need to self-quarantine after travel. For example, fully vaccinated grandparents can fly to visit their healthy grandkids without getting a COVID-19 test or self-quarantining, provided they follow the other recommended prevention measures while traveling. So wait, what is this? Is this a recommendation or is this a new rule? Is this them saying that if you have the vaccine, then you don't have to go through all these extra hoops to travel? What is this? Are the airlines adhering to this? How, what grounds is this being recommended based on? It doesn't make any sense. Is it a recommendation or is it an order that airlines and other travel businesses are to follow? It isn't clear to me. It's not clear to anyone. If you search around, everyone has different takes on this. And you would think that the top scientists in the whole land would be a little more exacting. By the way, this woman is utterly beautiful in this video. It doesn't make any sense because if you look at every photograph of her, she looks like a witch character. Like She looks like a troll witch character in all of her photographs. But in this video, she is stunningly beautiful for 50-something years old. I don't understand it. This is a clear example of a reptilian person shape-shifting before her eyes. And I don't believe in that nonsense, but oh my god. It's just, it's nuts. For international travel, fully vaccinated people do not need to get a COVID-19 test before they leave the United States unless it is required by their international destination. However, fully vaccinated people should get tested and have a negative test result before they board an international flight back into the United States, but they do not need to quarantine when they arrive here. However, fully vaccinated people who do international travel should still be tested three to five days after arrival in the United States on an international flight. Okay, I got it. So if you're fully vaccinated, then you don't have to get a quarantine or a test on the way back. But only uh, for five days, you do have to quarantine. If you did have a positive test, but a negative test, you don't have to get another test. Uh, a, a lady, are you cool? This is a top scientist. Everybody stop and reflect on that. Are you a scientist listening to this? I don't care if you graduated last year. Put your goddamn shoe in the ring because you're a contender. If this is the level, you're a contender. I've read a few science textbooks. I'm going to put forward my resume because if this is the competition, I feel adequately ready. Our guidance reiterates that all travelers, regardless of vaccination status, should continue to wear masks on planes, buses, trains, and other forms of public transportation while traveling. Got the vaccine? Well, continue to wear a mask. Everything stays the same. Get the vaccine and nothing changes. This is an utter joke. And if you listen to any of this podcast at all, you'll know that I'm not a big mask fan. I wear them when I'm forced to because I just don't want to argue with people. My wife doesn't like it when I argue with people, so I don't do it publicly. But that's where we're at. Get the vaccine, get yourself fully vaccinated, and still wear a mask and still social distance. 
What in the hell is going on? What's the point? As I mentioned previously, the, the science on COVID-19 is constantly evolving. We will continue to monitor the evidence and provide updates as we learn more. With so many people still unvaccinated, it is important that everyone, regardless of vaccination status, continue to take prevention measures in public and adhere to our guidance on ways to reduce the spread of COVID-19. Wear a mask, physically distant, avoid crowds and poorly ventilated areas, and wash your hands frequently. And while we believe that fully vaccinated people can travel at low risk to themselves, CDC is not recommending travel at this time due to the rising number of cases. So I think that's the only recommendation in a long issuance of orders is don't travel. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. These are the experts. It's unclear. Nobody else is clear. No business is clear. Everyone operates differently. Everyone has different rules. Every country has different rules. And nobody can seem to arrive at a consensus here. It seems to me that the world is being led by a bunch of politicians who are grandstanding and who have the funds to ensure that they can get elected but don't have the skills because they've spent their entire careers grandstanding and accumulating influence and wealth to support their political ambitions. This is the key problem with the world today. Experts are not running the show because experts are busy developing their expertise and not getting involved in politics whatsoever. We need a fundamental shift in how we exercise government operations because it ain't working right now. And that is abundantly clear to me. Never before has it been more clear than over the last couple of years. It's going off the rails in a way that I never would have imagined possible. Of course, we speculated, we laughed and joked about how the direction was heading towards a 1984 type Orwellian reality, but now it is exactly that. The world is led by people who have no idea what they're doing, and it's to the utter detriment of everyone on this planet. When will we take it back? I don't mean a violent revolution, but we need to stand up. People who are thoughtful, people who think, people who spend their entire day thinking and interpreting and understanding and listening and discussing and debating. These are the people who need to rise up. We have to take back this world because otherwise our children are screwed. They're going to be under the thumb of people like this and it ain't going to be good. The whole point of understanding technology, having knowledge, and improving our lives is to make this place better for the future generations, and it's now getting worse. And it's clear to me that it's getting worse because it's run by a bunch of capital I idiots. So what are we going to do about it? I'm recording this podcast. It takes a long time to put every episode together. It takes a long time to curate these bits and pieces of information to build this case against the powers that be. I feel it's important work. I'm not getting paid for this at the moment. Of course, the plan, full disclosure, is that I can turn this into a profitable enterprise, but that's only so that I could focus more time on it. Currently, I'm working full time to support my family, and it's 
very difficult to do this podcast as well. I haven't even had the time really to fully promote it yet. Of course, I will, perhaps if you're listening to this and I've made some headway in that, you might think, oh, I've been hearing a lot about it. But at this time of recording, I haven't been able to promote it a lot. And it takes a lot of time to, to do all this stuff. And there is no immediate remuneration. And in fact, that's one of the key struggles, is that there is no path to getting paid in, in telling the truth. I mean, this is the big problem. If you partner with pharmaceutical companies as a doctor, you're going to get paid. And so that allows you to do more things with your time. But if you partner with the truth, well, you certainly won't get paid. That's not a compelling story to cover for the news media because they're in the pocket of these big corporations. So I understand it's very hard. It don't Please don't take this as me lecturing you. Hey, what are you doing about it? I hate it when I hear people say that, but we do have to dig deep. We do have to think, what can we do? What little can we do? Because cumulatively, I think it'll all add up. I know there are so many smart people out there. I think it's actually really the majority. I find myself impressed so often just conversing with people online, just random places, social media, even online games. I find myself always impressed. All different people, all different walks of life. I know they're out there. We just have to dig deep within ourselves and think, what can we do? So with that, I'll say that's the end of this episode. I actually had a bunch more clips I wanted to play, but I think we'll have to leave it to another episode because that's about it. I'll leave you with a song, one of my own creations. Until next time, my friends, this has been Doni, and this has been Drinking from Human Skulls, a professional podcast. I love you all, truly, and good luck.